Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this, as you well know, don't act like you don't. It's streaming things. It's streaming things. Me, Chris, me. It's streaming, it's streaming things. <laughs> you did know, Steve. You win the prize. Yay. We've missed you all so very much. Thank you <laughs> for letting us join you in your ear holes. We appreciate that. It seems like an invasion. You just allow it. and That's great. Uh, we've got a packed show for you. And by packed, I mean not much at all filling it. Um, so the opposite of packed. What we've got uh, an in-depth discussion, review, if you will, some valid criticism, perhaps, uh, and maybe a sprinkling of praise. A discussion, perhaps. Upon Zack Snyder's newest film that just dropped on Netflix, Army of the Dead. And of course, we'll be delving deep into the things we've been doing since last we met. I need to admit something. Okay. When they Andy, announced we know. Army fine. of oh. the Dead. <laughs> He's finally going to do it. Uh um, when they announced Army of the Dead, it did not click for me that it was an a of the dead movie. Like at no point was I was I like, oh, it's the Dawn of the Dead universe. I was just like, cool, it's a movie called Army of the Dead. Sweet. Like, wait, is I, it a part of the of the dead universe? I, yeah, I was going to say I have to admit something. I had the opposite reaction. I thought that this was in the Dawn of the Dead universe. And when I watched it, thought that it definitely was not. Oh, I'm pretty sure it is. No, no. Yeah, it might be. I'm oh. just saying like. I, I don't know. I assumed it wasn't. But if you, if it is, cool. <laughs> that's I mean, that's why you come here to streaming things. Like our <laughs> listeners know if I, you know, I could just watch movies and TV and just get a surface level understanding of them. Talk amongst my friends at work or something about them a little bit and then forget about it like everyone else. Or <laughs> I could be a connoisseur and listen to a podcast called Streaming Things that's all about the things that we stream and get zero extra context or knowledge about these properties whatsoever you just get a nice discussion with friends in a way in a way this episode is kind of like going back to our roots in a bit where we all watched the movie today we did and immediately well immediately with like a couple hours met up and we're gonna share our thoughts uh, amongst ourselves Mm -hmm. for the first time yeah we just watched the shit yeah true that literally i I walked in this room and chris was finishing the movie (laughs) and eating indian food lamb curry Mm -hmm. yummy and naan what, what Indian place? Uh, it's called Amol. We tried to, a place that we really love called Guru, but they were waxing on the DoorDash. Yeah, so. It was crazy. I got the order together and it was like $75 for two days. I was like, no. Yeah. Amol, no. Amol is uh, reliable. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're yummy. Andy, what did you find out? Did you did you Google? I did Google and it's uh, the first headline that I saw was Netflix has big plans for expanding Army of the Dead universe. So that makes it sound like it's not part of the Romero verse. So right. Yeah. At this point, I'm more confused than I was pre Google. I feel like if you make a zombie movie, just 60 percent of the time, it's it ends in of the dead. Sure. Yeah. But coming from the dude that directed the Dawn of the Dead reboot or remake, like I thought for sure. But. Well, they're different type of zombies, and I think they, they are making a whole, I think Zack Snyder wants to make a whole new... Did you just call him Zack Snyder? Well, <laughs> after Justice League, am I right? Guys? By the way, during <laughs> Army of the Dead, I was zoning out most of the time. Like a zombie. And I was thinking that he should have went by Z Snyder for like his artistic name, or even more like take the period out. And just gone by 
Snyder and how cool that would have been. Just one name like Prince or Madonna or like Mick Z- G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Snyder. And then we could have said release the Snyder cut and it would have been cool. So no, I mean, that was awesome. that was a great story. That's what I took out of <laughs> Army of the Dead. I'm just saying. So it says in this article from Den of Geek, it says the premise of Army of the Dead was originally intended for a Dawn of the Dead sequel, which implies it's not. So, but because yeah, they they've announced that they're making an anime uh, series that'll be on Netflix, but then also I think they're making a prequel movie called Thieves of the Dead. I think. Um, this was all stuff I read after watching Army of the Dead today because I wanted to like read up on there was there's a thing that I think we'll get into when we get into the review. But Andy and I were wondering something about the movie in particular, so I did some research, and that's that that was the fruit that bore from my research was finding out that they're and they're going to be expanding this universe the cinematic universe of army of the dead which led me to believe it's a completely separate thing from all the other of the dead movies okay so let's do it this way so if you have not seen army of the dead yet fear not we've got a few segments that we want to go into a little bit of check the gate uh, which is our movie and TV news segment. We've got a little bit of crossing streams talking about other things that we've watched this past week. And then we'll do a, a spoiler free quick discussion on the film for everyone who hasn't seen it yet. And then we'll put a bumper in the show notes, I'm sure. Uh, and then we'll do a spoiler filled discussion after that. So if you haven't seen it yet, you're safe to listen on. No yeah. big deal. Uh, but before we do crossing streams, I didn't even ask you guys this. And I'm sure you don't care, but I want to actually read uh, an email that we received uh, a long time ago, briefly, oh, real wow. quick. I was just, it's been on my heart. It's been weighing on me. Uh, so we got an email back in January uh, from uh, a, a listener named Abby G. I don't know if she gives us permission to use her whole name. So we'll just call her Abby. Uh, and she wrote us in late January. Hi guys, I hope you're all okay? Question mark. Uh, just wanted to send a quick email to thank you for all the hard work you put into streaming things. The podcast has helped me through so many tough times and never fails to make me smile. Thanks for all the laughs. Keep up the hard work. Um, Anyway, Andy replied a while ago and then she wrote back to him. Mm -hmm. You know, Andy's really good about going through the email and doing that kind of stuff. So the only reason I bring that up is because it's bullshit that I didn't respond immediately because that email made me feel so much better than I felt at the time because I was having a terrible day. Uh, that kind of shit means the world to me and I'm sure to Steve and Andy as well. Uh, we really appreciate all of you guys. You know, we're going through a lot of stuff in our personal lives these days and we really love this show, which is why we do it. We said it many times, like we get a huge kick out of doing this with one another. Mm-hmm. We just hope as a secondary thought that people enjoy it and listen to it as well. So thank you so much, Abby, you picked me up and I was, I've read it like six times since then, including today, which is why I wanted to bring it up. So a full seven. You've made it a full seven times. That's true. That's true. That's, I didn't know what that meant. On I, air. I thought that was like an expression that I wasn't aware of. Ah, oh, a full seven. The classic full seven. Mm, yes. <laughs> Any hoozle. Uh, we also, Steve, remind them if they want to write in, obviously they can write at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. It's a great place for emails. Do you have on hand the number they can dial if they want to? share their angelic voices with us and any do kind of I? thoughts oh, do i ever <laughs> yeah because we have a voicemail now you can call us and we can hear your lovely voices and you know we might even play them on the air sometime uh that number you would if you would like to call and uh and and speak to us well you'll be speaking to the voicemail but we'll be able to hear yeah, you speak at us uh the phone number you want is 859-757-4051 what was that again 
859-757-4051. Emphasis on the one is very important. Because the show is number one. And in our hearts. Yeah. But on no other metrics whatsoever. Maybe That's fine. Not even on the metrics of podcasts hosted by Chris, Andy, and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Definitely the best thing we've ever done. Until we start our new show, What Is This Show? Which we'll talk more about what, that at a later what was date. The, what was the sub the subtitle that you had? What Is This Even? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were joking off air, listener, that we should just have a, an extra show, which is us rambling about stuff that, you know, whatever. And we're like, don't you already do that? No, it gets <laughs> worse. Yeah. Well, we were like, like, yeah, we should have a theme song. We're just us making noises. So we started just randomly dropping a beat. And then I I just yelled, what is the show? And we're like, oh, that's money. Let's do it. So call in on the voicemail if you actually want to hear that. Yeah. Let us know if there's a demand for that. Because <laughs> God knows we have extra time to devote to another subpar hey, podcast hey you like our half-assed ideas <laughs> this is us trying to trying to get our shit together yeah. god damn they're like there's a half-assed version <laughs> <laughs> what have i been listening to this whole time <laughs> quarter ass quarter ass it <laughs> but it's it's like ron swanson said right never half-assed two things whole ass one thing and that's what i try to live by put that on a fucking uh, cutting board and hanging up in your kitchen. <laughs> that brings us to our crossing stream segment where we talk about things we've been streaming since last we met. Andy, mm. let's do it. What have you been doing? Uh, streaming a couple of things. You know how I do. Um, so I had some kind of bad news uh, occur in my life pretty recently. My mom was diagnosed with lung and liver cancer. So I've been streaming a whole lot of stuff mm. and kind of dealing with that. It's obviously a super bummer. It's still early days. We don't like, like we know there's bad news, but we don't know how bad the news is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, obviously it's scary and uh, not fun to think about, uh, you know, a future that she's not going to be a part of, which I mean, inevitably that's going to happen because that's, you know, the way the way of life or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, it, it, so anyway, I haven't been watching a whole a whole hell of a lot. Um, I did play the first Mass Effect. Steve made me want to play it, and I played it, and that was sweet. Uh, I but, like that you said made me want to play it, not <laughs> made me play it. Yeah, you didn't force him. <laughs> no, I mean I only strapped you down to a chair for a couple hours. <laughs> but so uh, in, in uh, kind of my uh, sad, self pitying stupor, I, I, I was thinking about stuff with my mom, and uh, I, uh, I was thinking about so. Listener, uh, listeners, <laughs> the singular listener, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Hi, Abby. Um, so um, I, I am a uh, recovered uh, heroin addict. I used to uh, do heroin. I did methadone clinic multiple times, and uh, I did Vivitrol clinic and all that shit, rehab. But um, so when I did the methadone clinic, my mom would drive me up there like literally every day. And uh, we used to listen to audiobooks a ton. Uh, and we also used to listen to musical soundtracks a lot. Um, and so today I listened to a musical soundtrack that we listened to. My mom and I listened to a shit ton, which is the Book of Mormon soundtrack. <laughs> um, the Trey Parker, Matt Stone, uh, Robert Lopez uh, musical about two uh, Mormon missionaries that are sent on a mission trip to Uganda and our uh, attempt to uh, convert the local warlords to become uh, Mormons. That musical is absolutely amazing. It's so funny. And the music is 
really, really, really good. Um, like it is catchy as hell. And if you look back at uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone's oeuvre, they've always been like very musically inclined people. Go back to like the South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut uh, movie. And that subtitle I, I didn't understand until way later in life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget like being like high school. And be like, Wait a minute. What? That was a dick joke. Um, but like go back to that, that, that movie came out like after I think season three of South Park or something. It was real early on in the life of South Park. And they're like, you know what? Let's make the South Park movie a fucking musical. I remember like singing that That's shit in middle school. Too. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's great. Um, but yeah, and so they've always been very musically inclined. And so when it was announced that they were going to do a musical, I remember when Book of Mormon was announced, I was like, I bet that's going to be fucking awesome. And it was. I've seen it live now, like, I think three times. Have you guys oh, seen dang. it? No, I haven't I've even never seen, seen it. it. There's oh no way for me God. to see it, you know? Well, it comes to town every couple of years. Um, when I was in New York, it was about $700 for a shitty ticket mm-hmm. or for an opportunity to get a shitty ticket. Well, at the time uh, when it released, it set the record for uh, most number of Tonys won by a musical. Uh, that record, I think, has since been broken by Hamilton. But uh, like it was universally lauded. And it's mm-hmm. you, so you haven't seen it, but have you listened to it? I know the first song, the hello, oh, okay. hello, that my one. name is Elder Price. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know if it's the same thing, but I, I refuse to listen to soundtracks of shows I have never seen. I oh, want to okay. like ex- experience it all at once. So I didn't hear Sam- Hamilton songs until last year. <laughs> right. I've been listening to them ever since. And I Hamilton think I rules. saw the performance. The only thing I've seen of the Book of Mormon is when they performed at the Tonys. At the Tonys yeah, yeah they that's, did, that's uh, the I only believe. thing I've seen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Book of Mormon musical stars uh, Andrew Rannells and uh, Josh Gad, and Josh Gad has blown the fuck up. He's in everything now. Andrew Rannells, you don't really see me. He was like a guest, had a guest spot on How I Met Your Mother, and I just saw him in the after party uh, show uh, following the Oscars where they're like interviewing the people that won. He was one of the interviewers, and I was like, that's the fucking Book of Mormon guy. What's he doing there? Uh, like that dude's got some pipes. Why the fuck is it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Pay the uh, rent, damn it. <laughs> but so Book of Mormon is, as I mentioned, about two missionaries that get sent to Uganda. And like uh, one of the missionaries falls in love with a local girl uh, in Uganda. And the other one, he's like the do-gooder. Uh, I, I'm the shit. I'm going to be the shit. And I was praying that I was going to get sent to Orlando, Florida, so I can go to Disney World and convert people. And he, he gets sent way out of his element. And they like the two bond over the fact that they're in this crazy place. And uh, it's kind of like how they sort of go off track for what the mission is and what they're supposed to teach in order to um, try to kind of try to relate to the uh, African people that are dealing with all of this shit in their lives. Um, But so like, it's extremely crass. Like there are (laughs) sure. Yeah. Like there's a song called Hasadiga Ibawai, which means fuck you, God. And it's like the, the locals say it's like the, the, that musicals version of Hakuna Matata basically um, <laughs> and they're like Lion King jokes abound throughout it uh, but uh, and, and live it's just as crass there's like the scenes at one point everybody's wearing like basically strap on dildos they're like three feet long and like flopping them around on stage and stuff um, and this is like while the Ugandans are putting on their own version of a musical like it's super fucked up and so funny. And like, I don't know how people get away with these. Things. Well, it's Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I feel like they can get away with whatever they want. 100%. But anyway, I listen to this shit with my mom all the time. <laughs> uh, when we were driving up to the methadone clinic every day, we'd be rocking out to Hasadiga Ibawai and I Believe and uh, Spooky Mormon Hell Dream and uh, Baptize Me. The, the soundtrack for that musical is 
so good. And like my mom would rock out, rock out to that shit with me. Like regardless of, you know, she's like super religious and just, fuck you God. And like singing along and shit is super funny. But anyway, uh, I don't bring that up because it's a sad memory or anything. It's a great memory, but, um, and just, if, if anybody out there gets the chance to go see Book of Mormon, if you were on the fence about, oh, I don't want to see something that's like kind of religious, it's not at all. I mean, it is. And like they they deal with it in a way that only Trey Parker and Matt Stone can, where it's like extremely irreverent and super rude and like absolutely shitting all over this religion and like just poking holes in their whole mythology and stuff. But it's also like kind of heartfelt and has a really powerful message by the end of it. Kind of like the how a lot of episodes of. South Park would end with Stan like turning towards well, the camera I learned and being something like, today. "Yeah, hey, well, I think we learned a lot today, you guys." Uh, uh, and, and so it has that feel uh, to it as well. Fun fact: and I looked this up a little bit ago. Uh, the uh, guy that wrote the music with them, uh, Robert Lopez, he is the youngest EGOT winner ever. He's won uh, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony, and he's also the only one ever that has won all of those things twice. Oh dang! Yeah. The only double EGOT. He's the only double he got. And oh, dang. Uh, he wrote like a bunch of the music for uh, Frozen and Frozen 2. Like, dude's wildly successful. Oh, Which dang. also has Mr. Gad in it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he Mr. Plays, Gad? Uh, Mr. Gad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Why? I don't know him. Why do you get so formal? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's Mr. Gad. Joshua Mr. Gad. Uh, yeah, Book of Mormon. That's why I've been streaming. I was rocking out to it earlier when I was doing my dishes. Just belting it. Like an angel. It's nice having my own house. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice having my own house. I can just sing at the top of my lungs. Is, are your neighbors like across the way like, is that guy singing fuck you, God? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, get over here. The neighbor's weird. <laughs> I'm going to baptize you. I just realized what a poor choice having a uh, iced coffee was. Tinkle, tinkle. Take, 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 a, take tinkle, a swig tinkle. of that. Oh, it didn't, it didn't come through as well as I thought it would. <laughs> Actually, not bad. Uh, Steve, what have you been streaming? <clears throat> well, I'm also going to mention some music here at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been kind of a melancholy week. Uh, I think Andy, you know, def- has definitely had a, some really bad news. I've, I've been struggling with some stuff for the past you know, several months, but it's not really my story to tell. So I can't really get into it on the show. Um, so it's, uh, I've been in like a melancholy mood and I found this artist, uh, this week I was listening to another podcast called how did this get played? It is a video game podcast. I just they, saw that and I thought of you, it was like in a recommended area of my podcast. Yeah. App. It's a really well produced podcast. Like they have an actual musician that custom, like they have a new theme every episode, depending on what game they're oh, that's cool. doing. So like their, it's their theme has like carried over. No show has a right. musician too, Steve. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. They, they have a real one. They they pay someone a lot of money, and it's not one of the hosts. <laughs> Fair um, but you know they play you know bad or weird games, and then they kind of make fun of them. They're all comedians. Um, but one of them mentioned th- this month they're doing Mario May Rio, so they're playing a lot of Mario games, and they did a Mario sixty four. And one of them brought up this song. It's by a, a, a musician named Alex all caps and all space. So a space L space E space X. I believe that is how it's pronounced. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if someone searches just Alex musician, you get like, not this person. Sure. (laughs) Um, the, the, the big album that you want to look for is called growing up volume one. Like all their albums are 
growing up volume one, two and three. And there's one song in particular. They brought it up on this episode's podcast because he samples some stuff from Mario 64. And like, I'm just going to play a little bit for you guys. So you can hear it's it's lo fi music. So it's very kind of ethereal and soft and it kind of puts me in the mood of just kind of <laughs> it just puts me in the mood of just kind of like oh life you know here it comes yeah you got the mario there right nice <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> but a lot but a lot of his music like it really there's a nostalgia to him like a sad bittersweet looking back on life feeling to them and so it was really good the other day i was kind of laying down and i just had my earbuds and i'm listening to this type of music and kind of just not really falling asleep but just laying there for a solid hour and a half and i'm like ah good use of my time hell yeah sometimes it is to clear your thoughts meditate yeah it was very cathartic to just kind of sit there in my own thoughts with this music playing but that was uh the music part that i want to bring up the the show that i streamed this week i streamed it today shortly after streaming army of the dead uh, was Hulu's Modoc. Oh, forgot about that. It is an animated show. It looks very similar in the vein of like a, a robot chicken style. Uh, it is about Marvel's Modoc, which is, if you're not familiar with him, he's one of their big super villains. He's, he looks like a giant head with like little arms and legs, and he just kind of have, uh, uh, levitates in the air because he's like sitting on this levitating chair. Cause he's just a giant head. Um, and MODOK is like an acronym for like machine only designed for, for killing or something like that <laughs> or, or something or get, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? It's silly. It's a really bonkers concept. And it's obviously probably never going to be in like a Marvel film right. because it's such a weird, strange character. So they licensed it out to Hulu and they have this kind of 24 hour sitcom style animated show where Patton Oswalt plays the titular Modoc and it's him like I'm going to destroy the world but also my wife hates me and like he's got two kids it's got a great cast um I'm gonna kind of vamp while I pulled up because I should have had that pulled up before but it, it, it if you've ever seen cartoon or uh, I keep wanting to say cartoon chicken it's robot chicken yes where it's that style of kind of like sophomore type humor but it's in the lens of a family sitcom where he's got a a, a son he's got a daughter uh, and a wife and there's that that family is it problem shot like a multi-camera sitcom no it's not shot like that but it's that kind of style of like oh no I I, I want to do this big important thing at work but it's yeah right you know my, my kids recital or something yeah you know I mean? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've been, I, I don't, it's been weird. Like I've seen the first two episodes and there are some really, really funny lines in it. Like, like little jokes that kind of sneak in and that are really, really funny. But overall it hasn't like grabbed me as something I might finish because all the episodes are out right now for streaming. You can watch the ent- entire first season. Um, like there was one show where he and his wife are arguing and they, they like go back in time to try to rekindle their relationship by going to a, a third eyed blind concert that they missed when they were in college. <laughs> uh, it's just like stuff like that is really, really funny to me. But overall, it like it didn't really hit, but it does have a great cast. Uh, like I said, Pat Oswald is Modoc. Uh, Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is his Amy. Is, yeah, Amy, she's in it. Ben Schwartz is his son. Andy Daly is their robot that they keep kind of like making fun of. Nathan Fillon's in it. John Hamm's in it. Bill Hader makes an appearance. Uh, Beck Bennett is a, a SNL alum who has just kind of blown up, I feel like, this year because 
Beck Bennett wasn't really in a lot of stuff, I feel like. He was only regulated to Saturday Night Live stuff. Mm -hmm. And then this is the second animated thing I know he's been in this year. Like he was in the Mitchell versus the Machines. He was the he was one of the robots. Um, And then in this, he kind of plays the uh, tech guru that ends up buying Modoc's company aim. And it's like, hey, bro, I'm here to make your business. I love your brain. You're a smart guy, but we really need you to make it that tablet. No more destroying the world, okay? Really focused on the new Surface tablet. We need to get that up by uh, December, okay, bud? That type of thing. Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of lukewarm on it. So um, I might give it another shot. Maybe next week I'll kind of tell you guys my overall thoughts on if I'm going to stick with it or not. I meant to watch it. I'm a huge fan of Patton Oswalt's. Yeah, I love Patton. He's one of my, he might be my favorite stand-up comedian. Um, just cause I'm, I've, I've been so invested in his career for so long. I remember, you know, coming across my first Pat Oswald CD in like 2004 and just following his career. I mean, um, what was his standup special? It was basically after his wife passed and it was his first special after, after his wife passed. I know what that, you're talking about. I don't remember the name. That's my favorite standup special because not only is it really funny, but like if you followed his career, that's such a sad story and the way he kind of approaches it was really, really good. And I was like crying, but also laughing. Yeah, this is so funny, but I'm so sad for you. Um, so yeah, it's like Oswald's every great. Bo Burnham show ever. Yeah. Yeah. He has one coming out. Did you guys see this announced it? Bo Burnham's got a new stand up. Yeah. yeah no, it comes out like awesome. super fucking soon. Can't wait too. to see his mature, ver- a mature Bo. <laughs> I have a grudge against Bo Burnham. What? He stole my joke. Oh no. Not really. <laughs> he was, he was on, he was like hacking Steve May 13th Twitter. And then the drafts, he saw the, the firest joke of all time. My well, hands the, are too big for the, the Pringle can. <laughs> hey guys, it's Steve here. Just letting you know that I'm an idiot. And when uh, Andy said Bo Burnham, I immediately thought he was talking about Mike Burbiglia. So my made up beef is with Mike Burbiglia and not Bo Burnham. I now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. There was this big experiential story I used to tell people for laugh, and it was when um, I would go to uh, to tr- to try to. How do I even say this? Um, Bo did it way better. He did do it way better. <laughs> but I'm trying to like, what's the most respectful way to say it on air without like? Uh, I was essentially donating my seed so that I might have a child later on. Uh-huh. Um, okay, and, and I would tell people the experience of what that was because it was the most awkward experience of my life. I was accused of uh, faking my identity and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Should I just tell this story? I think so. I thought you were going to say faking my orgasm as if you would be in the (laughs) sperm clinic in the room just going, ah, yeah, and then hand them an empty cup with spit in it. (laughs) This is real full. (laughs) Excuse me, sir. This no. doesn't taste like semen. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I went to the, the the medical facility to to do this process. Uh-huh. And the woman at and so my medical card at the time when they handed me my health insurance card, they misspelled my name. So it was like Steve May, and they spelled May 13. <laughs> oh my god, I wish. <laughs> no, it was like May M-A-Y C-Q-K-P. So they just like, I don't know if whoever typed in my last name just had a seizure all of a sudden, like why they were like, ah! <laughs> so we're typing in May, but they just threw a bunch of letters on the end of my, uh, uh, my health insurance card. And it wasn't a big deal. Like I had been to the doctor plenty of times and there's like, you're Steve May, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they wouldn't even, you know, 
look at it right. I show up to this lady and I'm like, hey, I'm here to. I'm here to jack off. Jerk off into a cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she looked at my card and she's like, uh, the appointment's for a Steve May. <laughs> <laughs> you, sir, are not scheduled to jerk off here. <laughs> Basically, and I was like, ah, funny story. I don't know why it's there, but I'm here. And I'm really embarrassed about, you know, telling you about, hi, stranger. I'm about to go into that room and just go to town on myself. <laughs> <laughs> but this one was like, I, we have a big problem with people pretending to be someone they're not. And I'm like, well, it's not me because I would rather not be here. <laughs> and so I literally had to call my wife and she had to like vouch for Susan to let me back there. <laughs> and finally, begrudgingly, Susan goes back there into the room and like she's given me like the protocol. Like if it falls on the floor, don't try to scoop it into the cup. <laughs> <laughs> and and like she's there's like a piece of paper on the door where all the rules are and she's going down the rules and then she gets to the last one which is like and if you aren't who you say you are looks directly at me and pauses for dramatic effect <laughs> you should leave now and then she, like there was like this like breath where she's like waiting for me like, i'm giving ah, you one last chance <laughs> ah, you got me susan damn it i've been lying <laughs> this is what i do i go into clinics and jerk off into cups and ha, i have kids everywhere <laughs> How is that such? Is that what it is? Like people just want other people to have their children and that's like their thing. So they know. I, I don't know what she was getting. I'm yet. so flabbergasted at the idea that there's just like this serial jackist out there <laughs> just sneaking into all these sperm clinics, impersonating other people so much so that they've made it one of their 13 arcane rules. Yes. <laughs> I, just, I don't understand. It was and it was such a. Like I was such an awful experience to be in overall of having to even be there in the first place to do that. That's not like something that a couple with like healthfully thinks of, you know, like, yay, look what we get to do. <laughs> so like and and just I'm a very, you know, I'm a pretty private person in a lot of ways. So when I was showing up, it was just very awkward to be there. And just this lady was not making it easier. Right. And then the room itself. And this was the part where I was like, Mike Berbiglia, he stole my joke, is like almost exactly how he describes the room. And I realize this is an experience that every a lot of people go through. So it's not really my joke. It's more of a tongue, tongue in cheek. Like, oh, Mike Berbiglia. You got me. Let's see where your head's at. Get it. Yeah, it was like a TV and a DVD player. <laughs> so if you brought your own material, you could like and the, and the TV was on. So I had that like DVD logo that was bouncing around the screensaver. <laughs> they had magazines and like a. <laughs> like a basket and i was like not touching <laughs> they had a, a a couch and they're like here put if you want to sit on the couch put the cover on first and then when you're done dispose of the cover and then there was like a weird slot system where it's like okay open the top drawer that's where your vials are do your business into the vials close the top door put the vial in the bottom drawer and close it and then someone will come in later to retrieve it i'm like that doesn't seem safe <laughs> if you're worried about some random person coming in and like aha seed attack <laughs> <laughs> that is not a safe and secure thing but i digress streaming things <laughs> yeah I mean, we're going so long it's almost masturbatory at this point <laughs> i think we should move on i was holding that one for like six minutes <laughs> Are, is that all the things that you streamed? Yes. <laughs> I feel a little jealous because Steve got to like talk over this epic lo-fi music during a big portion of his thing. So I want to play some music while I talk about what I've been streaming. So, oh, you're going to actually give me the aux chord for yeah, the full that's, experience? That's why we got it. I was it. the one that talked about a musical. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so just like, fuck off with your bullshit. <laughs> your heartfelt story. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> Let's talk about jerking off. <laughs> anyway, I just, I felt like 
this was going to be appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> what is this going to be? Doesn't matter. Okay, so I did finally get. To, <laughs> I did finally get to check out Love, Death, and Robots. Hell yeah! <laughs> I can't help it. It's fucking Bon Jovi. Why are you playing Bon Jovi for Love Death? I don't know. We're going to get copyrighted. <laughs> what the fuck? All right, I'm sorry. I, I just was really jealous of Steve's intro there. And that's the only thing I could come up with. Anyway, I did watch Love, Death, and Robots season two, all of it in its entirety. Um, and Andy, you did as well. I watched half of it. Oh, okay. Did not finish it. So I think the general consensus amongst us and maybe the world as a whole, I would imagine, is that season two fell a little short, if not far short, from season one's mm-hmm. magnificence, right? Is that what you felt as well, as well, Steve? I didn't see it. Oh, you haven't watched it yet? No. Okay. That's, I thought maybe you saw it last week and brought it up. We just talked about it in general. We all wanted to watch it. That's Yeah, because right. I, I saw the first season. The first season's great. Yeah, so I binged all of them. Um, so obviously it was good enough to do that. I, I just really respect what Love, Death, and Robots is doing. And, and if any listeners out there, because I'm not really an animation buff of any kind. Like, I don't like anime per se. And I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Uh, anime per se. That'd be a cool show. Uh, <laughs> file that under the third podcast we will start. Like, I love uh, Afro Samurai and I love, uh, you know, the, the classics like Akira. Mm-hmm. Um, Ninja Scroll was a weird one I loved when I was uh, an adolescent. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But Mm-mm, anyway, I like the weird like TVMA ones for sure. But I don't really watch a lot. I like Miyazaki. Um, and I liked Animatrix. And that's about it. Like, other than that, you know, Saturday morning cartoons. And that's the whole animation, like, knowledge that I have. But it's so beautiful to watch all of these different animation styles and what can be done. Um, and I, I just re- I'm really excited about seeing like the form of each episode as much as the content. Mm-hmm. Some of the stories are incredible, but it almost doesn't even matter to me. Like it's just this fascinating anthology of little neat short story ideas with gorgeous animation. So they almost can't fuck it up. But I felt like a good five or six of the episodes in season one could have been feature length films and I would have loved them. And I didn't really get that idea about hardly any of them from season two, except maybe one or two. Um, but I had a I had a blast and I, I feel like there's a whole just treasure trove of animation out there that I just have never delved into just for whatever reason, being a snob or, or something like that. I'm not sure. But anyway, so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I do love uh, anything that showcases short fiction. So like that show or like, yeah, one that comes to mind is like VHS. Did you ever watch that? The I did. Horror yeah, horror anthology. One. Yeah. Um, just I, I, I love little snippets like that if they serve uh, like and they don't even have to tie together just as long as it's a very broad theme of love, mm-hmm. death and robots. Yeah. I, and another thing is I have developed in the recent years, I think a, a fascination for, for like cyberpunk or I don't know if it's just broad science. Fiction. 2077. I love that game, but that's why <laughs> like, uh, I just got this thing where like blade runner 2049 ish era where I just got really obsessed with like gritty futuristic sci-fi mm-hmm. um anyway and that you know that's obviously the main the main theme of this show but i really enjoyed it i would check it out let me get it, let me know what you guys think when you finish it um and then the other two things do you, do you agree that it didn't it fell short of season one i do i do absolutely but it's it's weird it like literally does in the sense that uh, and i wonder if covid had uh, probably everything's kind of like slightly covid tinged nowadays yeah right. um but i mean there's only i think eight episodes and the season one had like 14 or 18 so that's one way i mean immediately it's like shit there's less 
Um, so I wonder if they had a lot more planned and weren't able to do it. Um, or if in general, the quality was brought down a little bit due to like production. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, I forget who it was. You guys never watched that movie, Those Who Wish Me Dead, but it's really good. Uh, I think it's getting a lot of shit from people, but it's it's a lot like um, Die Hard or Face Off. You know, it's just like this kind of 90s thriller movie that they don't make anymore. And that's, I think, why I love it, because that's mostly what I watched when I was a kid. But anyway, there's a giant fire flaming through the forest through most of the movie. <laughs> and you can tell when they don't use practical fire, like the digital fire is often quite bad in that film. And it's also quite bad in army of the dead for a section or two. And there was someone on Twitter saying, I wonder if this is because of COVID because a lot of these visual effects supervisors were working from home and kind of rushing a lot of the CGI and these films that were otherwise finished. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why they look noticeably rough. Cause it looks like 15 years ago, bad and right. those who wish me dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they could have done better than that. What the fuck, you know? And that's probably why. But anyway, I wonder if that happened at all with, with Love, Death, and Robots. But I really enjoyed it. Um, the other two things I watched uh, are very old. And I just want to touch on them very briefly. I watched The Thin Red Line with my son. because I'm Oh, going on the, the war path still. Well, I realized that there was an obscure Terrence Malick war film that I hadn't watched with him yet from 1998, I believe it was. The Thin Red Line? Yeah, I mean, it's not obscure, but like it's a little more like artistic than I would typically think he could you know, his palate would in, in, endure mm-hmm. um, like saving private Ryan is just fucking awesome from ages one to 80. <laughs> right. But like thin red line, I had to let him mature to almost eight before I would show <laughs> him that. Mature. <laughs> uh, so you, we, you have reached the age. You are old enough for the thin red line. <laughs> so you like all these movies glorifying war and the, you know, the battle. How about this meditative philosophical take on war v nature juxtaposed against a crocodile swimming in a river? And he's just like, <laughs> <"I'm> sure. <laughs> so, it's a metaphor. <laughs> it is. Uh, so we watched it and, and, and it was awesome. I mean, not as not as entertaining as Saving Private Ryan, let's be honest. But, it, you know, it's good to see Sean Penn. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, did, but, did he like it? He did. I mean, he he likes it because he's he's in that age group where it's like, uh, oh, that's an M- M1 Thompson. Daddy, that's an M1 Thompson. I'm like, yeah, that's the gun from Battlefield that I use sometimes. You know, that's the only reason I know what it is even at all. But yeah, he's just really into all the like World War II facts and the, stuff. The M1 Grand. Yeah. So he likes all that shit. Um, MP40. <laughs> yeah. Real big gun expert, <laughs> my little boy. PP7. Uh, Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then I also watched Top Gun with him. Oh, um, I thought maybe you like dogfighting. What about a movie where they try to bring dogfighting back in a modern war context? Oh, that's mm-hmm. what you should have played. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of bon what Jovi. brought my Bon Jovi obsession uh, for the last few days uh, about was my watching of Top Gun and just 80s music in general. Because um, I'm like, you know, what? this song fucking rocks every time I was listening to anything in Top Gun. Um, and Mason almost ruined the movie because he's like, so daddy did the cold war. Um, and I'm like, that's not who cares. It's not that kind of movie. Like <laughs> he's look at his fucking glasses, dude. They're dope. You know what I mean? Like, but what I, they're I, playing I, volleyball really, really well. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> look at him without a shirt on. I wanted to say two things and spoilers for top gun. <laughs> I had, I hadn't seen this movie in at least over a decade. And you know, that's at the soonest, the most recent, I had always just understood in my own like mental zeitgeist of this film that Iceman was a dick 
and he was the villain and that Maverick is the protagonist. It's Tom Cruise. And that, uh, you know, Iceman resulted in the death. And maybe that's what it is of Goose. Right. Um, Goose. Iceman is not only not a dick at all. Maverick is quite a dick. <laughs> I don't know. How, how recently have you guys seen Top Gun or how well do you remember it? Uh, not recently or well enough to. Yeah. So have Maverick, the Tom Cruise the character is very, very self-absorbed. He, you know, he's, he's showboaty. He's a cock, mm-hmm. a little rapey at a time. I'll get, that's my second point. And Iceman is just like, Hey man, we're all here to do a job and keep each other safe. Let's just not be uh, cocksuckers out there. You know what I mean? Let's just calm it down. Launch. Let's be a team. And like, in the 80s, everybody was like, fuck that guy. USA, USA. <laughs> <laughs> Does he see the jacket Maverick's wearing? <laughs> Do you see the way he got off that motorcycle? Why are you being such a douche, bro? Uh, it's just so weird to watch now. And more to the point of how different things are now. There's a scene where Tom Cruise as Maverick is trying to woo this lady at a bar who you lost that. Yes. That's a good scene where he's singing, right? That scene. But she doesn't quite dig into it. Right. She's actually there with another gentleman instead. And so actually kind of let that play out way longer than she probably should have being there (laughs) with another man, but whatever. (laughs) So then he's like, ah, okay. And she goes into the ladies room to do lady things in private and Maverick. What do they do in there? Follows her in. He, oh, he finds out he <laughs> follows her into the ladies room and leans all cool against the wall. And he's like, why are you with that guy? He's way too old for you. You're with that loser. You should be with me. And it's like, Oh no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was so weird to watch, like from the 2021 perspective of 35 years ago or whatever, like he just followed her into the women's bathroom and the audience is supposed to be like, look, Look at that sexy, cool, brave motherfucker just uh, going into the women's bath. He ain't taking no for an answer. He don't care. He don't care. She might be taking a shit. Doesn't matter. <laughs> We're going on a date when you're done. He's going to the danger zone. Make sure you go front to back. Let's go. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that is so weird. Like watching any 80, 80s film particulars. There's a lot of scenes where like, oh, oh, no. So I wanted to start like a, a TikTok series of like things that are definitely not okay now in, in, in you know, a current context. And that's inspired me, but I hadn't done any of that. I probably will never. So go ahead and steal that. <laughs> Abby, you do it. Uh, <laughs> ah, the seventh time. <laughs> that about wraps up crossing streams. Let's go to a very underwhelming check the gate. All right. Check the gate is this segment where we streaming things delve into the hottest, freshest, steamiest takes in movie and TV news that you can find literally anywhere else. You heard it here third, as Steve always says very cleverly. I was going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I have one thing that I really want to talk about, and that's only one thing. So maybe you guys have some other check the gate news. I'm not sure. Um, But I read a a little bit about the Highlander reboot. Were you guys a fan of the Highlander films? There can only be one. I was a huge fan. That is right, Steve. That is 
of which I'm referring. Um, <laughs> did you guys, I'm did, glad we're on the same page. <laughs> did you guys know they were going to do a reboot? I did. I did not. Did you know that it was going to star Henry Cavill? I just found out about that today. There you go. <laughs> and it's going to be written by Chad or directed by rather, sorry, Chad Stahelski of John Wick fame. Um, so very excited about that. I think that as a huge, huge, huge fan of Henry Cavill's portrayal of the Witcher, um, I'm really excited to see more sword stuff from him. He seems to be taken to that. I mean, obviously we all know because we've seen the meme of him building a gaming PC a thousand times. He's <laughs> obviously a hot nerd. Obvious. So he loves swords. Um, and that coupled with Chad Stahelski's action direction and choreography experience. Uh, I'm very excited to see this Highlander reboot. So yeah, I just want to, that could be badass. It's going to be amazing. That was one of the weak parts of Highlander was the sword play for sure. Uh, I, who are they going to get for uh, the Sean Connery role? John Connery. Just he's, pro- he's a dead. projection. <laughs> but that, I, I didn't know that. That, that, really no long, that no longer stops us, Steve. You summer child. He was Did retired you know that Carrie Fisher died. What? <laughs> there was a, uh, when I was in college, there was an editing class at, where they te- taught you editing, but really it was a joke of a class. Um, but at one of the projects was they had an, the, you remember the TV show Highlander? I do. So they had the movies, but there was also a TV show. Yes. Uh, who starred in that? I'm blanking on the guy's name. Anyway, uh, for some reason, they had all the footage of an episode, like all the different takes and stuff, and then the script. And we had to like pick a scene and edit, you know, the scene compared to the the script that they had from the show Highlander. From the show Highlander. Wow. And I remember I got really into it. There was like a sword fight where he's like fighting another Highlander in London. And I, I was getting really, really into like the editing and making it like super interesting. And I showed it to the class and I'm like sitting there like all proud, like, fuck yeah, I crushed this project. Hell yeah. And then the professor's like, that was pretty good. Um, why did you leave the extras in there? And I was like, what are you talking about? I thought there were people who were just members of, cause it's like a Victorian era scene. And I thought there was like, there's people who walk in front of the camera and I thought there were the Victorian extras, you know, like in, but they weren't, they were crew members dressed up in crew member jackets Oh no! and I just completely overlooked it. And so it's like very anachronistic and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Why did they walk across that shot? <laughs> they were actively rolling. <laughs> what <for> amateurs. <laughs> and I was like, like Christian Bale, dude. Fucking. <laughs> Poor you Christian son Bale. of a bitch. Oh, real fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or Russell Crowe beating him with a phone. Oh, Those I forgot about that. Good artistic stories. Um, it was Adrian Paul, by the way, who I don't think anyone in the universe would have guessed. I don't know what Steve was fishing for there. <laughs> who was that? Uh, oh, yeah. He played, he played Duncan McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> who was it that played Duncan McLeod in the Highlander show? <laughs> oh, yeah. Adrian Paul, who did nothing else. To anyone's, I'm just sorry, Adrian Paul. If you're listening, I'm just fucking around. I've I've literally done nothing at all. I can't even actually make the TikTok ideas that I have. You know what I'm saying? So, props to you, sir. Uh, Andy, do you have any other check the gate news to drop on the world? Just the, uh, going back to the Bo Burnham thing that comes out on May 30th, like in eight days. Oh, that's very soon. Yeah, dude. And he completely made it himself. It's called Inside uh, during the COVID. Yeah. So it's COVID special that he shot, directed, wrote, did everything himself. 
So I'm super fucking stoked. I, I would say that that's probably going to be subpar Bo Burnham, but that is his roots is just a webcam and a little, you know, hundred percent piano in his room. YouTube star. That's how that little people, people Bo forget, yo. people forget. I'm Bo, yo. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to the close of our check the gate segment. But before I do that, Steve, don't you get you calm your little fingers down. I did want to, again, I would say inform our listeners, but let's warn them. Next week is a double packed episode. We're going to try very hard to pull this off. I know I'm a little concerned for Steve because he's getting normal working hours. It's the DP episode. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. That's what everyone will <laughs> henceforth refer to it as. Which stands for double packed. Yes, or double <laughs> premiere. I don't know what the audience was thinking, but that's definitely one of those two things. So we're going to watch Cruella. Dalmatian. And <laughs> no, I'm not going there. Andy. <laughs> Cruella, the new movie starring Emma Stone. And then we're also going to watch the other one. I've, oh, Quiet Place 2. <laughs> that's the P, the I, place. That's right. Dalmatian's yeah, place. I was waiting for it. Come on. I'm You're sorry. Like, no, I don't know. <laughs> My brain went somewhere dark. <laughs> I think that's where the joke originated. <laughs> it was in that dark place. Okay. Okay. So we're going to watch Cruella and A Quiet Place Part 2. And I think the three of us are going to try to uh, brave a movie theater for the first time since the apocalypse hit. So that's what's on store for next week. Be very excited and slightly afraid. But for now, let's get to our main review of Army of the Dead. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! Uh, that cute little ditty that you've probably never heard before from a man you've definitely never heard of actually pulled from the film Army of the Dead, directed by Zack Snyder. And it's about a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas. And a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever. That's straight from the plot summary from IMDb about the film. It was also written by Zack Snyder. Uh, so written and directed by Snyder, as I will now call him. And I think He's everyone else should as well. He's a man. That's <laughs> Mr. Snyder. hats. That's where a lot of hats. It stars Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Ana de la... Rug- oh, fucking shot. My Spanish is terrible. Ana de la Reguera. <laughs> crushing it. I'm going to keep going. Omari Hardwick. That was pretty easy. Theo Rossi and so on. But I also want to say Tig Notaro. I definitely want to pull that up. We just talked about that last week. So we're going to do overall thoughts, spoiler free, discussing the film. And then we're going to go into a deep, trenched, spoiler filled discussion. Hmm. It's going to be very scary. It's going to be huge. I started doing a little Trumpy thing there. I had to lean into it. Here's what I have to say about Army of the Dead that nobody's going to say. People uh, are saying it's a great army, really big. There's a wall. <laughs> if only we could have built a wall. I'm going to make the zombies one. pay for that wall. <laughs> um, Andy, what did you think about Army of the Dead? Um, I actually liked it a fair bit. Um, it didn't quite live up to the hype that I had for it. When I saw the trailer, um, when that came out a few months ago, uh, I thought it looked fucking badass. Like, oh shit, we got a bunch of like smart zombies, which they kind of, um, Romero kind of played with that a little bit in his, uh, of the dead movie. I, I, I can't remember what it's called right now, but, uh, 
uh, he, he, he had a, uh, of the dead movie that came out in like Oh five, where it was like kind of the beginning of them playing with the uh, idea of, Oh, uh, it was like city of the dead or something like something that. like that. But it was like, there was very much like one smart one amongst them and they sort of picked this up too. And so I still am not totally a hundred percent sure if this is part of the Romero universe or not, but it felt like it because it was a Zack Snyder movie. He even leaned full on into the, the whole Zack Snyder, uh, zombie thing. He fucking got Richard cheese again to do the Viva Las Vegas. Do you remember that from his Dawn of the Dead where it was oh, yeah. uh, uh, fucking your mother get up, come on, get down with the sickness. And yeah. that, that was the same guy <laughs> that he had to do Viva Las Vegas. I was like, holy fucking shit. Like it was nowhere near the impact that that disturbed right. cover had though. <laughs> right. That was so badass. But uh, that was also 16. So open, right. <laughs> open with like the montage and stuff like uh, parts of this felt very much like the, uh, the Dawn of the Dead that we all knew and loved back in the day. And I don't know if it aged as well as I feel like it did because I haven't watched it in a while. But I fucking love that one. So when I found out that it was Zack Snyder doing a zombie movie again, I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. And I liked it. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't blow me away the, the Dawn of the Dead, the same way the Dawn of the Dead remake did. But uh, I thought it was really cool. Uh, is like heist movie that I, I didn't realize that it was a heist movie. And I don't know how much of that was like, hinted at in the trailers but it was very much that it was a hey there's you need to go to this place and you need to get get a team together so you know find the specialist that can break into the safe find the other guy that can get the navigator that's going to get you there here's your escape man and all that stuff get your team together and go make this happen and i was like holy shit this is literally like i'm watching oceans 11 or something this is dave batista trying to pull off his brad pitt (laughs) nailed it i must say crushing it um Parts of it were weird. Uh, Steve, you mentioned before that uh, Zack Snyder's a man of many hats. This is his uh, feature film debut as cinematographer. So the movie looked weird, guys. There were a, a lot of weird choices, a lot of Snyder-y choices, uh, where things were out of focus for strange reasons. Yeah, he's shooting and with a real shallow depth of field. Super duper shallow depth of field. Uh, a lot of things were just the entire shot was out of focus. And like, that's the one shot. And uh, there were weird choices that way. Um, there were a couple of couple of shots that uh, drove me bonkers. The uh, There is a sentient or intelligent uh, female zombie that is introduced uh, pretty early on in the movie. And she's super menacing and badass i'm like this the the makeup is super cool and like the way that she's directed and she's all hunched over and stuff i'm like this is a genuinely creepy character and i'm and i'm enjoying the shit out of it and then there's this fucking shot of her like they're like looking at her through binoculars and she's running away from the camera with her arms like flailing behind her yeah, like, like like almost naruto running and i'm like why the fuck did you put that in the movie Zack snyder god damn it you just undid everything that all that menace all that goodwill for my horror fandom you just completely <laughs> undid it she's like i'll see you guys later i'm gonna get you <laughs> fucking bullshit i would man. watch can we get like a redubbing of Army of the Dead where it's all the zombies like, oh, I'm going to get you. Come here. I'm going to get you. Um, but I, I I mean, the movie has has its problems, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. I did. There, There's uh, when we get into more spoiler territory, there's uh, uh, a sequence in it that I was like, this movie was absolutely worth the cost, of, the price of admission just for the sequence that happened. Uh, but overall, free. I enjoyed it. Right on. Steve, what were your thoughts overall on Army of the Dead? Overall, if I had to give it a grade, I would give it a C. Um, it's 
it's a movie that there's a lot in this movie that I really, really like. Like, I think the premise alone is great. I love the idea of like, oh, uh, Vegas is walled off and we got to go, you know, steal a bunch of money from a casino. I think that's really cool. The I, I, Because Vegas is a great setting for this type of movie because, A, you can get the the the, the heist there. But also, I think the, 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 the type of person that loves who fantasize about the zombie apocalypse and wanting to shoot a bunch of zombie zombies also fantasize about going to Vegas and gambling a lot of money. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of great parallels though there. I think the cast is great. I really like the ensemble. I think Batista does great. Uh, I think all the actors are doing, you know, they're doing their jobs. Um, I like, I appreciate and respect the ambition that is in the cinematography and the way it's shot. Um, I don't think that hits. Mm. I think this is a case of less is more. Cause like we said, he shoots his axe is shooting in a lot of uh, a shallow depth of field shots. And I think sometimes that works to great effect. Like there is the, the zombie you mentioned, Andy, when that character is introduced, there's a lot of really good creepy shots of her coming. She's like this blur, even though it's, they're being shot in daylight, mm-hmm. you achieve that horror element of like, you don't really see the monster that well. Cause they're blurring out of focus, but then they come into focus, but and it's awesome the, lens flares too. During it, that, those, those sequence, that sequence there, dude, I love yeah. that, the way that was shot. And like the, the teeth come into focus and the crazy eyes come to focus, but like you still don't get a good shot at the whole monster. I think that is used to great effect. Not so much, when Dave Batista is talking on screen to a bunch of other people and he's completely out of focus and a character not talking is in focus the entire shot. <laughs> it's distracting. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas if you use that type of shot very specifically, you could have a much greater um, success and it, utilize it better. Um, I w- the best way I could describe this movie is if you were watching the coolest, most charismatic, well-dressed, attractive person walking down the street and every third step they hit a rake and nail themselves in the face. Because <laughs> like for every good thing this movie does, it does something completely mind-bogglingly stupid and annoying and gets in its way to where like by the end of the movie, I'm like, come on, stop getting in your own way. Stop making these decisions like We'll get into spoilers, but the, the, the main I feel like the main story is the heist. Right. And I'm really into that story. But then halfway through the movie, they introduce this other kind of B story that kind of is where the story ends is with this B story. And I, w- I hated that story. I thought it took away from the fun of the overall movie. And the, the way the movie ends is it just left a really bad taste in my mouth where it's like, well, I I feel like I wasted two and a half hours of my time, which that is another thing that I cannot believe is that this movie is two and a half hours long. It it's, was way too long. All they had to do was go into Vegas and rob a casino and there's some zombies that might kill you. You know, why is that a two and a half hour long affair? But I mean, it's Zack Snyder. So I mean, and, and to its credit, even though it is long, I will have to say it. I, I did not feel the two and a half hours like I could have, you know, sometimes if a movie's that long, you really are looking at your watch and you're not. And to the movie's credit, I didn't really have that feeling. Um, so there's that. But you do have to plan ahead and dedicate some time to enjoy a zombie movie. Uh, but Chris, your overall thoughts. What did you think? Uh, excuse me. Uh, I'm not going to say too much in the spoiler free section because I'm scared of where I might go. Uh, so I'm going to just kick started into spoilers very shortly, but I will say overall, I did not enjoy this movie. I think I enjoyed it the least of the three of us, which really surprised me. Um, 
I really feel like it's it's earned, though. And here's why I say that. I, I feel like as many people do, but me especially, I really try very hard to enjoy things. This is coming from someone that and this is going to add weight to a lot of what I say tonight. And it's going to just completely take the air out of a lot of other things that I say. I'm, I just got percolated. <laughs> no, it's not. You already know this, but I absolutely loved Zack Snyder's. Uh, I'm sorry. Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. Uh, Z- Snyder's Justice League. It's hard to say. Snyder's Justice League. I loved it very much. I was very outspoken about how much I enjoyed it. I think that's a phenomenal work of art. Um, and so to say that this movie is too long is a, is almost a joke. And yet that's how legitimately I feel. I think the pacing is not only off, it is just bonkers bad. I can't believe it made it through so many competent creative minds with thumbs ups. It just drives me insane. Um, like the, the plot point one is like an hour and 10 minutes into this film. Have you lost your fucking mind? It's a zombie movie. Um, <clears throat> stuff like that. A lot of the cinematography is, is, is very poorly done. And some of it is so gorgeous. It's just baffling about the other stuff. I said earlier when we were off air that I think Maybe it was some weird attempt to mimic some of the fixing they had to do due to cast switches, mm. you know, during post-production. Um, and a lot of that. And that's another thing. Like we talked about last week, how Tig Notaro was brought on late to replace Chris D'Elia after he had already filmed all of his part. And so, unfortunately, I knew that because I spent a good deal of the time watching the film trying and successfully finding the seams of that switch. Yeah, um, that was a hard thing to try, try not to do. Like, wow, you definitely look like your face is plastered on there. And like, or like that character's mouth did not just form the word her, like, but that's that's the word that came out. You know? Yeah. It's, it's very obvious. Um, but anyway, I've got a lot to say and I'm going to try to be as charitable as I can because typically, you know, we've had a bad stretch of not enjoying the things that we're talking about on this show recently. And I can't wait till stranger things season four. No, Uh, Oh no. But anyway, let's, uh, let's dive right into spoilers starting right now. You are entering spoiler territory. You're bullshit. All right. I'm so sorry. I just didn't trust myself to not spoil anything. I thought I might get, you know, I, I talked about last week. I do have a temper and it might just go on. Don't get hot. Crystal, why get hot. I'm actively angry is because this is the, the fourth movie that I have been looking forward to for months after a year of not having that much to look forward to in any aspect of my life, much less, you know, films for sure weren't coming out very often. Right. And so it's like, Oh fuck, the world is coming back alive. Movie theaters are reopening. I'm fully vaccinated. Everything else is still fucked, but at least I have this one thing I've cared about coming back. And I have this movie and this movie and this movie, and we've got six weeks in a row of awesomeness and they're all terrible. (laughs) And I, this movie in particular, I thought there is no way I'm not going to love this. It's got Dave Bautista, Zack Snyder. I'm a big fan of him. I think this is a complete return to form. Even the fucking five hour justice league movie rocked. How could this not be awesome? And it wasn't. And Andy said he was shocked at how much heistness there was, but I think they, there needed to, be more I heistness. I agree with you. How did you not lean into that? Like the the finding of the crew 
was terribly done. Like you're supposed to really Michael Bay it up, like have them putting on motorcycle boots, talk about their skills, have them be doing something funny and interesting. And they're just like, hey man, you want to come? Yeah. Hey man, you want to come? Yeah. Hey man. Oh, I'll come. The the bad thing about that is that joke that's a good joke to have with where one character is like, yeah, I'll come and just, but they throw that joke as the first person they go to, they make that joke and it's funny. And then every other character is like, yeah, okay. Yeah, You're right. No, yeah, like man. everyone's like that. You don't have to convince anyone. And we don't even know what their particular skills are, except the helicopter uh, one. And they the hire guy. the YouTube star because I guess he's crazy enough to go in. Look at him. He's able to shoot zombies. He does YouTube videos about killing. Like that's funny that that exists. That's a neat idea. Like that's totally how our world would adapt. Like there would be a gorilla YouTube star that, you know, tops the wall to just film himself taking selfies with zombies and shit. Mm -hmm. That would totally happen. That's neat. But why is he there? What skills does he add? He's just a street (laughs) urchin. And he's the one who brings like two random people as well. Why? These are my friends. And they're like, "Mm." Except for the guy that bails like, oh, you guys are crazy. I didn't know we were going into zombie. What did you tell him you were doing? (laughs) Dude, I actually love that. The the dude that bails, because like you always think that when you see these types of movies where it's like y'all were just down with this, like every single one of you, nobody had any second thoughts. And you had the one guy this time be like, the fuck? No. And just leaves. Even that scene, because I. I don't necessarily dislike that, but the way they film that scene where he's leaving is really weird because they really make a meal of that guy leaving where the, the I thought they were going to kill him. Yeah. The scene goes like on that. and the entire time the guy's like, you know, fuddling with his keys in the background, yeah. slowly getting to his car, slowly backing up. And as he's doing that, another character's like, Hey, I'm kind of shady and clearly the villain of this. <laughs> I'm joining yeah. you at any moment. I thought he was going to shoot the dude in the car. Yes. Like no witnesses, but like they don't, but they hang on that character so long. It's just, weird that they are really just kind of playing with your expectations but not in a great way yeah that was bizarre um so yeah i wish there was more heistness to it i think that that like you said and i think andy was talking about it off air that this plot is very similar to peninsula the sequel to train to busan yeah 100 percent. um and that movie was great and it's it's nowhere near the heights of cinematic brilliance that is Train to Busan, but it's really entertaining as an idea. The fact that you would, cause that movie also is a bunch of characters that have been in the zombie outbreak area before that have to go back in order to make money. Uh, that's a neat idea. And this movie either stole it or came up with it at the same time. So the premise is there. I also love the idea of sentient zombies, not, on its surface, but the way that it was potentially going to play out sounded neat. It hadn't like, they've got this whole little ecosystem and hierarchy and they're actually, you know what I mean? Like, okay, okay, this is, yeah. Like this is like full on supernatural. I can kind of, I dig this. Right. Um, yeah. Very similar to I am legend. Mm -hmm. Those those are kind of sentient. Um, and then they just completely don't delve into that at all. It's just random, bizarre. I can't even describe what I hated so much about it, but (laughs) Okay, so more heist would have been better for me, I mm-hmm. feel like. Okay. Agreed. The pacing, I, I alluded to that in the spoiler, uh, the spoiler free section. Why was there so much in the like all of the extraneous stuff? The reason it was two and a half hours is the complete hour it took to get there. And I don't understand why. It literally took an hour for them to get into Vegas. And I thought that that was insane. And I feel like, so I hated the Snyder cut. I thought, or of justice league, I thought it was terrible. It was bloated. And I, my whole feeling was that Zack Snyder must be stopped. And I had that feeling (laughs) a lot during this too, where it's like, somebody needs to be in the room to tell him no. 
because like periodically he just runs off on a tangent and for whatever reason and just really leans into it. There was a scene in this movie where all of a sudden one of the characters just basically says, what if we were in a time loop movie? This I was about time, to guys? go the fuck off about that. Well, and then, like, <laughs> and, and it does this montage of showing all these corpses and like look at the, the jewelry. same jewelry. And yeah. The same like, shirts. And it's like that. What if is supposed to stay in the fucking writer's room? You don't put that in the script. Yeah. It's totally like, like what if you Andy did came a- drunk and was like, dude, what if they're in a time loop? <laughs> and then Zach wrote it down and shot it. Yeah, the, the yeah. what if you, part. You said Zach wrote this movie, right? Yes, um, he co-wrote it with like two other people. But yeah, so the thing that really was like Zack Snyder needs to be stopped and turned to screenwriting was the Japanese joke. Because <laughs> uh, and squeezy, Her, I, I'm going to mispronounce that didn't his name. land at all. Hiroyuku, Hiroyoko, um, Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, wonderful actor, love him, uh, and he's wasted in this movie. But uh, he he does like an he 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 tells the plan and he says easy peasy Japanesey, and then uh, the safe cracker guy is like, oh, actually, we can't say that it's lemon squeezy. And then Tignataro says, I think it's okay. He's Japanese. He can say it. She, I and think I'm like, she said, said he's Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which was funny. And when yeah. that happened, I was like, 100% a white guy wrote that. <laughs> I didn't no even way. know that that was the origin of the little rhyme. I didn't either. It totally took me out of the film. I'm like, it was something before Lemon Squeezy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I, I, so my whole life, <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard Easy Squeezy Japanesey, Easy Peasy Japanese. Never heard that. It's always been Lemon Squeezy until like last year when I saw I don't even want to say Lemon Squeezy anymore. Yeah. I, I don't even like lemons anymore. I've never heard that turn of phrase and I've heard it twice this year. I'm like, are there just like really fucking racist people everywhere outside of my bubble? Yes. <laughs> By the way, yes, (laughs) by the way, yes, I draw it. So, okay. The safe cracker. And you said it was a great cast doing their job. I thought the safe cracker was super funny. I, 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 okay. You took the wind out of my sails because I was going to go, I was going to go, I disagree. But then when you said that and I do agree, (laughs) but Steve, I disagree. Well, here, let me, let me paraphrase. I, the, my phrasing, can't take it back. They're doing their job, meaning. They're serviceable. I didn't think anyone was necessarily bad in They're this movie. They're all, yeah, kind of. I think Batista's great Batista's in this movie. great. Obviously, I'm not and, talking about Batista. And, and the safe cracker's funny. Mr. Big Tiny Glasses, man. If, any, if anyone's particularly bad, it's the, it's the I'm clearly the villain member of the team. Terrible. terrible. What's up with your lip? Why is there not a mustache? You need one. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> <And then, laughs> <laughs> and then the fucking the fucking refugee camp What's rapey guy. Like, he uh, reminded yeah. me of like a poor version of porn stash from Orange is the New Black. Well, but he had like a sick fade for some reason. I didn't feel like belied his character at all. That's shades <laughs> from uh, really Luke cool Cage. <laughs> what? He was shades in the Luke Cage TV show, which I really enjoyed him in that show. So when I saw him, oh, pop, that was shades. When, when he popped up in the show, I was like, oh, I fucking love shades. What's he going to do here? And then he was just an asshole. I'm like, oh, he's going to be, he's just the stereotypical. I'm clearly a dick. So zombies will eat me later. Character. Like, the safe cracker was very good. And in fact, what they were doing in the beginning with him, I, I could kind of see the seams in the script of it. And it like wasn't working. I was actively like making it not work on me, mm-hmm. but he won me over anyway. So I'll give him even like extra credit for that. Um, I actually it's like a fabled vault that he really wants to crack. Yeah. Like all of that shit. It was just like, he's really hamming it up. And not only that, but like the fact that he is uh, physically inept and not trained for this was just a little too much. Like zombie comes at him and he goes, ah, 
You know what I mean? Like instead of just being scared or not able to kill it, he's like actively like Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or something. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And he starts dancing. Uh, I liked the coyote uh, a little bit. Like I liked her. She, Could, she eventually won me over. I like when, I, when, when I actually saw her on screen, my first thought was, oh, I bet Chris likes her because I thought she looked like Case Stu. That's what Andy said. <laughs> and I feel like you're both besmirching Case Stu because uh, <laughs> no one looks like her. Uh, that goddess. Uh, I thought she looked a lot like Evan Rachel Wood, actually, the coyote. Oh, yeah, I see that um, too. Yeah. But she was cool. There was so much potential here. I don't know why they went with the cast that they did. Um, the whole Guzman thing. I kind of, I liked his performance, but it, none of it worked. Like the, none of them seemed qualified to be here. And the plot, <laughs> even after watching the entire thing, I don't know how Andy's not more mad. Like he's very into tight scripts. Mm-hmm. This is the loose script. This script Point. is loose. It has been blown out. Everybody's been through this script. Yeah. Uh, like it's disgusting to me. Yeah, so the, the 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 biggest problem script wise that I have in terms of function, I mean, you mentioned before the plot point ones an hour into the movie, but I really disliked how they went from the heist. So there's a character that Batista's Batista has a daughter. She volunteers at the refugee camp that's located outside of Vegas. She knows a mother uh, and some kids, and the mother goes into the into Vegas. I, I'm not clear. To steal why. like chips or something. Um, yeah, I, it's, <laughs> it's a really dumb reason why she's in there. So the daughter goes along because she wants to find her friend. And then the, the last half of the movie becomes we have to find Dave Batista's daughter who went to go find her friend. And that's not fun for me. Like mm-hmm. that, that storyline was like, I don't know who her friend is because she had all of three minutes. Yeah, on they screen. didn't establish why. Uh, OK, the, OK. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> There's no world building whatsoever. I don't know why there's a refugee camp. I don't know. uh, The movie lies to you repeatedly about how long it takes to turn from being bitten to becoming a full zombie because it takes all of six seconds most of the time. And then there's a huge plot point at the end where it apparently takes one character 13 hours. Um, That just that's when I was like actively like, fuck this movie. Hmm. They just don't care at all. They didn't try at all to make this make any kind of sense. Why? Why was her friend? So the the alpha zombie Zeus apparently is the zombie's name, by the way. When nice. I that's kind of cool. Like I said, there's at the Olympus. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. There you go. There Andy. You go. Toy script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he he's like taking hostages for some reason. And it's, why? And it's play- well, they, they take the one character. Tell me why. They're they're ma- That's how they make more alpha zombies is mm-hmm. like they're like, oh, we if he bites them. They turn to. Oh, that's why they take the b- 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 the rapey cop. Yeah. But 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 then they they also have like three hostages yeah. also in the hotel. Why are they still alive? Keeping for a rainy day. You gotta I don't keep know. them fresh. Yeah, that's just <laughs> okay. And, and he Go goes, on, I'm sorry. He, the Zeus zombie goes uh-huh. into that room three or four times in the movie, just about. You're still there. <laughs> that's not true. He goes in once and that's when he hears the death cry of his bride. I think that's the second time he goes in there is during the death. Well, cry. Well, he or goes, unless he's he goes still in, in there. And he kills one the first time. So, I mean, I assume that the three people that are in there. That's, you know, he's the one Snack. that gets to eat. Right. And so like also there the, is the, the, dinner. The, the alpha eats and then the all the omegas or whatever get the get the scraps. So I, I that's his freezer. That's his pantry yeah okay those people not made clear (laughs) none of it is clear like okay like what is we don't understand anything about this world where now it's post vegas outbreak right Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I, I like the idea that's in Vegas. I also I agree with Steve. It's a great concept, perfect setting for this. Um, but why is there this refugee camp where there's like this martial law thing where they're assuming that they might be infected. suddenly be infected later or something? So why can they pay their way out? That's not very safe. Uh, <laughs> it's very much a uh, metaphor for Trump's America. Um, they, yeah. they're literally migrants outside of a wall. And it's implied um, that he's the president. Cause there's an unneeded scene where it's like the president said that blowing up would be dope as fuck. Really cool. <laughs> I mean, sure. But I, they could have leaned more into that or left it out entirely. Uh, I think that yeah. I just think this movie should have been so much fun in like the neon palette of the trailer, all of the movie poster, all of it. All of it lied to me and it told me, what if Zombieland, but a good Suicide Squad had a baby? It would be this. In the trailer, all of the cool shots of them all fighting zombies, for the most part, is in a dream sequence like yes. where they're where they're playing. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get in like this. And they have all the cool heroic shots that are in the trailer or in that scene. And that does. But that stuff doesn't happen. When but they don't in even Vegas. lean into like the fantasy version of it. They're, you don't even know if it's happening or not for a second. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they should have totally leaned into that. Um, I don't know. I, uh, so I, I, I do agree about like the, the trailer kind of, uh, kind of lied to us a little bit. Um, I think that there was a really cool, like, and I think it was, had to have been thought of in the writer's room. We were talking about like the, the migrant camp and it being stuck outside of the wall and like, there's nowhere to go. Like there's a geographical reason for that. They're literally in the desert. And so if nobody comes to get them there, they are stuck and they are going to die. Um, and I think that there, that would have been really cool kind of a premise to, to play with. Like nobody can get that. Nobody's coming to get them and therefore they have nowhere to go. And therefore they need to have money to pay the, the few people that are here to help. Like they need to pay them to get out. And I, I think that that was mentioned like when they were coming up with the concept yeah. of it, but never really like explicitly stated in the movie. And so I think it struggled for that. Um, I, so for me, and I think part of why I enjoyed it more than you guys, and it, it, it's kind of like my version of a Kaiju movie, I guess, where it's like, like all the people that saw Godzilla versus Kong and loved the shit out of it. That movie fucking sucked by the way. But <laughs> like that, I, yeah, I would agree. Godzilla vs. Kong is an inferior movie to this, at least in my opinion. If I'm going to watch an of the dead movie, I'm not going to expect anything like like mind blowing great cinema, and I, I'm going to sure, have yeah. a good time. I, I respect that. I'm sorry to cut you off because you're. I understand what you're saying, but I think it's undercut by the fact that this same person made a an extremely smart, competent zombie movie that mm -hmm. ended in of the dead twenty years ago. 20 years ago, but he also had a lot less money. And I think once again, Zack Snyder must be stopped. <laughs> Don't yeah. give him $80 million. It's give, the, give him five. It's the George Lucas problem. Cause George Lucas made star Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when he made the prequels, they just said yes to everything he said. And mm -hmm. obviously you need someone to reign in a director from time to time. Absolutely. Or don't let him direct a la Star Wars. But <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yeah, that explains the scene where the girl is running through the dead city and the tiger's chasing her. And she's just going, now this is pod racing. <laughs> um, fuck, that makes so much sense. There's a lot of stuff in the movie that's set up that like has zero payoff. The tiger being one of them. Uh, I disagree that killing that asshole was pretty cool. Yeah, but then it disappears and it never 
comes back again when it probably should. You thought it was supposed to be like an underboss of the final boss? Yeah, I assumed it was always going to be hanging around with the boss because it, it's that, that's his tiger, you know? Yeah. It was and good then, for it to have the torture porn of like, hey, this guy you super hate, sweet, well, let's drag it out yeah. and watch him die. That was cool. But you're right. It didn't come back. There was also, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. The, the other thing was, um, oh, what's his name? The the guy with the, they make a real big point of like, this is dude. He has the, his saw, his like super crazy, like blade. I know they just use the, the lady uses it to cut through the wall. Mm-hmm. And yet he, they, they're like, that's his saw. He even like yells at someone like, don't touch my saw. And yeah. he never uses yeah. it outside of the opening credit montage. Chekhov's chainsaw is pretty fucked up. <laughs> and there's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of tiny stuff like that. Um, there was a line at the very beginning when they, they and that it was one of the biggest disappointments because I thought it was such a cool idea when they first walk into the Vegas wall and they're surrounded by the husks of dried out yeah. zombies in the desert. And I was like, that's such a fucking genius idea. And the the French lady, the coyote says, you should see it when it rains. They all come back to life for a couple of hours. I was like, that's going to be so badass when that happens. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, it doesn't. doesn't. I was like, what? You had such a cool premise there and you didn't use it. But the uh, scene that I li- alluded to earlier when I said it was worth the price of admission was the glow stick scene um, when uh, they're early on when the the uh, the team gets into the Vegas walls and they're hibernating and that they're hibernating and the, the, the zombies fr- are the, hibernating. the coyote girl says like <laughs> right right and you know I I love the whole like she has some loose understanding of the hierarchy that's going on in there she's like we need to make a sacrifice in order for them to allow us past. yeah that's when I leaned forward I like, and I was like is, interesting that's yeah. different it's hard to be different I've seen a hundred zombie movies and then she says like just because we have some goodwill I'm not going to flaunt that we're not just going to walk through the street we need to go inside and right. I was like awesome and uh Early on, uh, one of the one of the hangers on that of the YouTube guy, the girl, we don't know anything about her. She's apparently a badass, but we don't really yes. know anything about her. Uh, she calls out the uh, mustacheless man and says, I, I got my eye on you. You walk in front of me. And it was fucking genius because Dave Batista had been going through the hibernating zombies, cracking glow sticks. I will make a trail. I'll leave us. And then trailer the, breadcrumbs. And then the mustache man, uh, he's ahead of the girl. And he says, gotcha, bitch, and grabs a glow stick and throws it down the wrong hallway and like leads her off. I was like, oh, my God, that's fucking genius. I got like chills because I'm like it, the the concept to me of like it's already scary enough, like going through the dark hallway with all these fucking like zombies and stuff. And then to realize that you're fucking lost and like so she like has no no clue where she is, where she needs to go. Like the team's still moving forward and like it, it just crushed in on me like, oh, my God, how fucking scary is the situation? And then she like bumps into one and like real quickly, like stabs it in the head. And then that noise starts to wake up another one. And I'm like, I'm sitting well there like, oh, my fucking God, this is nuts. Um, that was good horror. It like I, I, I love that scene because when the action starts popping off and she's trying to get she's battling all the zombies basically by herself, they're in a kitchen. And so you've got that uh, long kitchen line and the way they blocked it was like there's the zombies that are in front of her and that she's obviously fighting. But there's a ton of people who are crowding the, ch- the kitchen line and putting their arms through the the hole of the kitchen line, that space where mm-hmm. you put like order up and you put the plate up there. And that was like, I just thought that was a really neat way to block that scene and make it more claustrophobic yeah. feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then she fucking kicks some ass. And I was like, this is dope. Like that was like, I think the coolest action in the entire movie was that chick in the hallway. Yeah, she did very well. All those people. I, I, I felt I, like she died for no reason. Like, yeah, because she her boyfriend or whoever he is to her best friend was 
a mere six or seven feet away yeah. with a fully automatic rifle that we later find out he's very good with. And she has only two zombies that she hasn't managed to kill. Grasping the of her. that was weird because when at first it was like, uh, she's gone, leave her alone. Like there were like, like two of them. She's not gone. She's right there. Yeah. <laughs> all, everybody on the team is watching her like struggle to fight. And she's all like, oh like, shit, she's gone. And, and Guzman's like, <laughs> no, come, no, come no, on, no. girl. Come on, girl. We're, we're you really can do gonna it. miss her. Don't talk to my beat in the past tense. I'm so <laughs> but so like there are two there are like two zombies she on like shoots the gasoline while she's still running away fine <laughs> no <laughs> sorry you're definitely not gonna make it <laughs> a couple of shots later it showed the enormous horde that's that's like crushing down on her yeah but it like that's what should have been the shot from right the get away go, yeah. yeah so like they they blocked it goofy also like she was there long enough she could have been like the mustache guy did this. <laughs> it Don't was him. him. <laughs> He's clearly the villain. Tignataro was right. <laughs> yeah, I love I that. That was a good scene. Tignataro, like from the get go, was like, "Yeah, we should kill that guy, right? Like, we're important." But yeah, what did she say? <laughs> it was so funny. She's like, uh, "Most of these people suck." Oh no, she's like, "I'm definitely second important because the safe cracker's number one. Uh-huh. You're like a you, distant third. You guys are tied for three. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were listening. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, I didn't realize you were listening. Anyway, you're tied for three. And then like that guy definitely sucks there, right? Like we should just let him die. And he's clearly can hear her as well or should be able to. So that that was well done. But it's also like a plot hole. They all knew obviously fuck this guy. And yet they allow him to undermine the entire mission. Yeah, he, he single handedly like ruins their shot, which is even dumb, even from the villain's perspective, because he's there because the, the whole getting the casino heist is a ruse for the bad guys, because what they really are after are uh, is a zombie brain that they can study and potentially sell for millions as like, oh, you can control your own zombies. The governments mm-hmm. of the world want this. And which is so like, come on. <laughs> I actually thought that was kind of cool. 70s I mean, Bond well, villain. The, the, the idea of the weaponized zombies isn't isn't bad. It's just the way that guy is going about the plan of, you know, the macro level of him interacting with everyone is so dumb. Like, why don't you be like, hey, we really need a zombie head. Coyote, okay. can you let me in and we can just, you know, you know, sacrifice dude and like, cool, we got him. Shoot her legs. Got him. And then like, that's the end of the movie. You don't need to have this whole fucking let's get a casino heist thing going on. Mm-hmm. And if it was um, that easy to walk out and uh, the lady whose head they do steal, it just walks up to him immediately. <laughs> you know, I'm about to blow your, it's even worse than that. I'm about to blow your fucking minds. So when he takes that lady's head, which he didn't have to do without first of all, all these people are breaking into a zombie infested Las Vegas to steal $200 million lying to each other about how much they're getting paid. Like tell them, Hey, I'm really here to get zombie blood so I can sell it. You guys can keep all the money. They'd be like, great. Cool. <laughs> Don't have to lie at all. Right. <laughs> also when he gets the head, he's in front of the entrance to the zombie city. That's the first thing they saw when they exited the shipping container. Why the fuck would he not just turn six feet around and leave with the prize he came to get? Mm -hmm. The entire movie makes no goddamn sense. (laughs) No one read the script twice. There is another thing that I think Andy, you should get into that we, so Andy and I kind of watched it separately, but at the same time, and we called each other and we're like, I actually called Andy halfway through like, is, is there a weird frame rate issue for me? Or is it my connection? Cause this <laughs> right. is a Zack Snyder movie. So I, it could be, I fucking can't tell. <laughs> um, and I, and I still think there was a, there was a frame rate. There issue. were some, some jitters in there. Uh, but, um, 
Andy, you know, I kind of picked up on something, but Andy really kind of you know, zeroed I, in on I it. I latched in on it. There are robots in this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what was going on. When um, you shoot the alphas, they have like a blue robotic explosion thing well, not in their just, brain. Not just that. Um, when So when the um, YouTube star guy, right before he dies, uh, he's like yelling to Dave Bautista. He said, let's go, let's go, let's go. The next zombie that runs up and hits him, and it is like an alpha, I think. Uh, he shoots this thing in the head and it's straight up terminators. Like the skin comes off and he's got metal skeleton, glowing blue eye and uh, sparks coming out of him. Yeah. I didn't know what that was supposed to. I thought it was like mana. (laughs) And so I, I I was on the phone with Steve. It's like, I'm pretty sure that was a fucking robot. And so like, while I was on the phone with him, I paused and went frame by frame and took a bunch of pictures of it. And I was like, dude, this is absolutely a fucking robot. Like um, I'm showing Chris a photo that Andy took. Yeah. So what are we what are we thinking? Well, it is confirmed a robot. Um, There's an interview with Zack Snyder where he was giving there was a Q&A and people asked him about that. And he was saying that he is including there's some of the zombies are robots in this world as part of a potential like when they have the the anime that comes out, that's going to be going into that more. And maybe in the, the prequel that they're making on Netflix. Apparently, like it's a part of this world building that they're not just regular zombies. He was like, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Is it because uh, this is an alien born virus and it's slowly turning you into a robot? Maybe. Are they government made zombies so that the government can keep track of what's going on in the city? I don't know. He was being really coy about it, but they are 100 percent robots, according to Zack Snyder. But so (laughs) the, the way my head went with it is. Uh, well, government for sure. Like, hey, look, the government created some robot zombies to send them out. But the problem, what pokes holes in that is like the whole opening premise, which was a really cool opening. Like, hey, I we, like we have scene. this payload, the the four horsemen are uh, heading out and dudes getting roadhead and ruins everything. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, driving what can only be described a convertible of nothing but gasoline. <laughs> the only thing that would have made it better is if the two soldiers we're also sucking each other off in the, <laughs> in the mission that's truck. Right. And it was just cutting back and forth like, oh, bro. Yeah, because that's that's oh. what starts this thing. It's like there's a head-on collision between Oh, head-on collision. Yeah. Nice. I love the part when like the, the soldiers get out. They're like, oh, what the fuck? And they start going towards the container and like one soldier starts to go towards the couple's car and the one goes like, no, nah, no, nah, they're dead. I know. <laughs> Don't even look. They're definitely dead. Do you see the fucking car blow up? I know that there's some suspension of like normal movie even more than a normal movie logic but this movie lost me from that opening scene like the two soldiers I mean these are not only trained soldiers because I've seen I know some people that were in the military right so definitely not guaranteed competence but um Aside from that, these are like specifically chosen to protect the the Holy Grail right, right. so they're especially from highly trained 51. you can imagine and yet the ladies like Definitely get out of there immediately. And someone who's highly trained to abide by every order is like, wait, why? <laughs> Definitely. Why? Why would you? Okay. And then he's like, yeah, they don't want you to go near there. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Fran. No, don't, don't peek in. You know, it's okay. That's weird. So then when everyone, everything goes really bad and this like hyperspeed being dispatches 80% of the crew within three seconds. Who I thought was John Bernthal at first. He, he not only doesn't jump in the Humvee, he pulls one guy out of getting in the driver's seat. No, we don't have time to drive. Let's run in the desert. What? (laughs) 
It what? Is, well, he is, pulled him out of a wreck, right? No, that was a perfectly fine Humvee that like had witnessed the wreck. Oh, okay. Um, that, I, that, that is silly, but at that's that, a, that's a nit to pick, but I'm just like, that's how I immediately, I was like, Oh no, I really like the humor of that scene that they set up with the two guys talking about like, maybe it's a Sasquatch. I don't know. Yeah. Right. That was, I liked them. Yeah. And then just the, 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 and that led into the montage of showing like how Vegas fell and how Batista and I guess his team of mercenaries survive. I don't, I didn't really understand like what their role is, was in that, but Again. They, were, they were getting like photo shoots and stuff. I liked the montage, but like, as I was watching it, I thought they were going to explain a little bit more about what their character saved were. a bunch of people. Yeah. They, they don't really like go into it that like, much. Who was the lady that got squished? That was a terrible, I, that was a really good scene, but I like, it was weird. I cared about a person from montage knowing her only. Mm-hmm. And that made me very sad. Yeah. I, and I, and I, that's why I thought, I think the opening of this movie is really, really strong. It's one of my favorite parts of it. Uh, well, I, I, I like parts of it. Uh, going back to the ineptitude of the soldiers though, like I, I agree with Chris. They're literally like, should be the guys like, well, you know where we were, we just came from area 51. It's like, if you, your nickname is the fucking four horsemen. Like you, you should be the fucking, you're barely a fucking pony. Are you shitting me? Like <laughs> yeah. fucking, you should be like the most super ultra soldier ever. Then but, I thought these things are bullet resistant. This is going to be a weird movie. They're not, they all missed. Yeah. They're super bullet susceptible. It's right. <laughs> they right. all missed. And I, the, that zombie is supposed to be Zeus, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He just grows his hair he out. He started the time. whole army. Yeah, I know, bald, right? He's bald in the first shot. So when he showed up looking out like the motherfucking crow out of nowhere, yeah. Yeah. halfway through the movie, I was like, who's that? That's Brandon Lee. I love that line from Tick and Tara. She's like, was that a zombie in a fucking cape? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. This shit just got serious. Because <laughs> it is really stupid. <laughs> It is. It Especially is. But it's he not. Puts I mean, the, he looks badass. He puts on the, the helmet faceplate to avoid headshots. <laughs> that, that was a little silly. A little silly. And then everybody who has never fired a firearm in their life seems to be able to shoot his head, his helmet, which always cracked me up. Like, They're all like ace shots. If you yeah. notice, like uh, Dave Batista is firing fully automatic strafing and he's hitting ding, ding, ding. Each one in the head only. You don't see any like, uh, was it squibs Uh, or anything like that? Bouncing off walls, which it probably should be showing. It's all direct headshots, just rapid fire. Mm -hmm. Awesome. But none of them are good enough to shoot the giant eye holes in the helmet or or anywhere in the lower half of his (laughs) face. Or his neck repeatedly to cause decapitation. That's why there's a scene where, where <laughs> Batista hops out of the out of a ho- hotel and he's like, bah! and just re- yells for some reason and shoots a grenade launcher on Adam and completely fucking misses him after bullseyeing hundreds of people the whole fucking movie. <laughs> you can never predict those great la- grenade launchers, bro. That's I true. get it. That's true. So there's a, a thought. I'm going. This is like my biggest pet peeve, but not just with this film. It's like a thing that bothers me in general, and I wonder to know what you guys think or if I'm weird. So there's an old thought experiment. I'm sure you've seen the cartoon version of it a bunch of times. Is this the ship of Theseus? Sort of, but no, (laughs) no, I wish. So you got like two train tracks, like one track that diverts into two tracks, right? Mm, And the the path that the train's currently on is going to kill like 18 people, right? Right. And the path that the train is not on, but you can divert it to, it has like one person on it. Yeah, you've seen this so, before, yeah, right? Do you decide to kill a person or do you let the train kill 18 people? Correct. So now you've actively killed the other person or is it, do you, you know, what is a moral conundrum, right? Mm-hmm. So movies sometimes do this in reverse. And I think 
it always, always makes me very much hate the movie uh, because I can't help but think, you know, that was a poor unless the one person they save is very important for some weird reason. Right. Mm -hmm. So the daughter uh, infiltrates this mission that's already very dangerous, distracts her very competent father and undermines the entire thing to save this woman who we don't understand why she cares much about. Like we understand why she would in general, but over to risk her dad's life. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. And because she runs away to save this woman who she doesn't actually know is actually in there and who she has no right to believe would still be alive in any situation whatsoever. Shouldn't be alive. She is the cause of like six characters that I like very much as death without, without a doubt. Like they would have all left on time had he not been distracted and looking for her. And well, then she, I don't know if I would blame her because they probably would have died anyway because of what Mustache Man did. I don't know because they I narrowly she, escaped. She 100% is the cause of the pilot's death and her dad's death and probably her friend's death too because who knows if she lived. fucking disappears at the end of the movie and I couldn't fucking believe that. Yeah, like, they, they don't. When we sat here and I watched, rewatched the ending with you, the last shot we see of her is in the helicopter looking up at the nuke. So she's in the passenger seat next to Tig Notaro. Then they fucking crash. And then, oh, the lady she saved? Yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. Just completely disappears. Absolutely bizarre. Like, what the fuck happened? Like, that, it, it's so weird because that diver- the whole plot diverts based on that and just completely disappears. So the movie does not have a great ending. I, here's what I needed. Like, I was, I had a lot of little nits to pick, but I was like, okay, this can be salvaged. Here, I know they're trying to set up like an of the dead universe with robot zombies yeah. fucking oh i didn't get to finish what i was tr- trying to say before about that it doesn't make any sense that the the and that any of those zombies are robots and it's unless they were already fucking robots because there's just the one at the beginning and then those people get turned into zombies right so in theory they were already robots there are robot people running around it's they're doing like sure westworld style shit with the world building could i could go without the the, the robots in it no, for sure, for sure, for sure. They're trying to go like Westworld deep, and like Westworld, we were better off left at season one, mm-hmm. right? So you just isolate this movie as a one-off. You have the safe cracker survive tackling uh, the chainsaw guy into the safe, and we forget about them, even though it's obvious that safe is somehow going to survive a nuclear explosion, which they made nuclear for no reason whatsoever. Um, hey, okay. Harrison Ford survived a fridge. So, <laughs> And then everything else is the same. As bad as some of those choices are, I don't care. Everything else is the same until the end when it's just the woman and her friend alive. And then the two people come out of the vault, stumble upon the helicopter wreckage, after they've already decided, okay, that sucks. We didn't get any money out of all this and all of our friends are dead. Oh my God. Some of them are alive and he brought them. They brought the money. money. That's the dumb ending to a dumb movie. That'll make you feel good about having done the dumbness. Right. And they didn't give me that. Nobody gets the fucking money. There's another zombie outbreak and the two people we hardly spend any time with are alive. Yay. What? One of my biggest, like, Zombie movies are fun, but they're not really my cup of tea mostly. And one of the things that always drives me nuts about zombie movies is they all there's a there, there's always a bleakness to them where like by the end of them, you're always like, why did I watch any of that? Because we're already we're back to where we started. You know what I mean? Kind of like the credit scene for his Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. It was like, we finally got away. We got away on the boat. And then it's like the found footage yeah. of when they get to the island. Ah, we didn't get away. Well, I, I think and I, and that's a horror movie like trope. I think Andy would agree of just like the undoing of the whole movie with 
a, an ironic ending. You yeah, know? but I, I really like the premise of like there there are zombies, but they're walled in, mm-hmm. and you know I we're gonna blow them up. And but like so when they have that extended ending where the guy knows he's bit, just decides like I'll just still go into a major city even though I know I'm bit. And there's just this scene where it's like ah oh, he's looking in the mirror like ah oh, that that sucks I got bit, and it's just like come on can we just like, why does it all have to be so goddamn bleak? You know, <laughs> I was very sad to see that that man had a bite. Honestly, I understand that's how it continues. It has to be somebody right. to continue the. See, the I would have liked your ending, but he's still bit. Um, that would have been fun. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. So, like, I, I don't have a problem with he got bit and he hasn't turned yet because, like, different zombie movies have different rules. It isn't always that when you get bit, you turn. It's when you die, you turn if you've been bitten. And so I think that that was the way that they were trying to play it here. Um, so like Dave Batista had been bit and he died presumably from blood, blood loss and then turned, you know? Uh, sure. I know so what you're I, saying. Like I had that same, I mean, obviously it's infection. Like when dude's like, they're like, he's on the plane. They're like, you, you know, he doesn't so feel hot. good. Yeah. But, um, okay. So I didn't have any problem with that, but I, I do understand how, you, what you mean about the bleakness of it, Steve. But at the same time, like it, if I, I can't think of any zombie movie ever where it's like, and then, and then we won World War Z a little bit. Cause it was like, they figured out that, well, they didn't even win. They just figured out the camouflage. They said, anybody is terminally ill. If you guys remember, that's really cool. Neat twist. Are you bringing that, up World War Z again? I am, but well, <laughs> we're talking about an action zombie relevant. movie. Well, yeah. depending on which ending you, which version of the ending you watch, but I am legend. Like it ends. We're like, okay, humanity lives over here. The, the vampire zombie people are just going to live in New York mm-hmm. and, and this contained there, I don't know. Like, I understand like that's a trope of the genre and that's part of the reason why people like it. But I, I never like it because like, I know, uh, the Walking Dead TV show, for instance, like I could never get into it because at the end of the day, I'm like, it's just the same shit and like over and over again. And there's no real way to kind of overcome mm-hmm. the odds or the the antagonist. And sometimes that's a powerful storytelling choice is like you just can't do it. But it's just always there and it's always the thing. And it's I just want to see something different. I, I feel disappointed in myself. I just want to say this because I think there's a lot of it that. I was so angry about small things and filmmaking choices, like the obviousness of it in retrospect of the uh, purposefully Hispanic cast members and the, the use of a coyote and the wall and the, the Trump, uh, you know, the Trump analogy president, all that stuff was trying to say a lot more than I was giving it credit for. Mm -hmm. But I also think to my credit that it was just completely almost insulting the theme by just unsuccessfully doing that. Sure. Um, but what really on a moral level, something bothered me and I don't want to be like, I don't mean this to be tasteless whatsoever, but I couldn't help but think, you know, the, the relationship between Batista and his daughter and their whole issue that they had an estrangement being a linchpin, kind of the heart of this story. Um, and thinking of Zack Snyder making this film and helping write this film in the aftermath of what happened to his very own daughter and thinking about using all those emotions and experiences. And I was really like, Oh fuck, what is this about to be heavy? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Only to have it end with him dying at all, honestly pissed me off, but that's whatever. Um, so he had to kill her mother because she was turning and she witnessed that when she was younger, that's terrible. Right. And you had the insensitive gall to let the movie that we've just been through end with that same young girl having to fucking kill her father. 
and getting like 16 grand. And then the rest of the world's going to break out into zombies. Like, fuck you, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's how I felt. Like, you're a terrible person. Like, <laughs> Did you think it was weird that he has that exchange with his daughter where he thinks his daughter is mad at him because he killed her? Yeah. Mother? And she's like, no, it's because. Yeah. And then he said, like, well, honestly, it's because I looked I, I look at you and I see her and it hurt and I couldn't. That's why I ran away. Yeah. And then it, the, his last line is like, let me look at you. <laughs> like, there's something about that that was like. I don't necessarily. Like that. <laughs> it, was, it was like a, trying to have an arc, and I, yeah. I think Batista was great. I thought that I actually thought that was effective when he said, "I couldn't look at you because you reminded me of her." And he ends with, "Just let me look at you." I thought that was actually a really sure. cool throwback. Yeah, I, 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 I hated that's debatable. Yeah, the the ending of that I fucking hated because he says, "You know, I've been thinking a lot. It's got to be lobster rolls." And I was like, "Nice." like little cut to the food truck. And then he says, you know, like the food truck. I was like, fuck you. I agree. I agree. Like, obviously that's what you meant. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I thought that was a weird way to end that, you know, I felt really bad. Maybe bad. Yeah. I, I feel like the James Gunn version of this movie would have been I have the same amazing. And I guess, yeah. I guess cause Batista is an obvious reason why, but yeah, I was sitting there like, James Gunn would have done this really well. That's what it needed. Like it needed like the, uh, the fantasy version Mm -hmm. when they're all like imagining how they're going to go in should have been what the movie was. It should have had the coyote with a fucking crossbow and like a ninja, you know, what a hood flipping off shit, killing zombies. It should have had the safe cracker with a Harley Quinn baseball bat with a bunch of nails in it. Like it should have had some off the wall characters doing crazy shit. The closest they got to that was the scene where they were trying to get to the safe, but they were like booby traps. And so, yeah, that was cool. What's his name? Kept going up and putting zombies on dollies and having them walk across that. They needed more of that type of stuff. With the hand in the microwave. Because when that first cut to the microwave, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, go get it. (laughs) Because that really kind of established the team nature. That was really fun. It's the heat, not the meat. It was funny. And but like, yeah, like I, I, I give it a C because, like I said, there were things I really, really liked. I think the potential of it is far better than what they executed on. And I have to give Zach credit because, you know, it is out of his wheelhouse, I feel like, at least what he's been doing the last several years. Yeah, it's I like how he really serious. stepped outside of his comfort zone. He's been doing, you know, superhero movies for a good long while. And he decided to do, you know, tread down a less trodden path of a zombie movie. Yeah. But I mean, it was, but you know what I mean though, right? Where it was like, (laughs) there's a lot more levity and color sure. and there was less slow motion. I mean, it was there, but it, but but it wasn't the whole fucking movie. (laughs) I love daylight horror and it's so hard to do. And I always go back to uh, 28 weeks later um, when the dude, uh, his family's cabin is overrun and he's sprinting down the hills trying to get to the boat and all these zombies are coming down the hills on the side and it's the most effective daylight horror scene ever and so i love it when it's done well and so like the introduction of the queen the zombie queen and like the the awesome lens flares in the early afternoon and like the shallow focus and the awesome makeup and stuff like it it, it gave me those kind of vibes And, and so like little piece like that and like the like her introduction was all, never mind her fucking Naruto running at the end like that <laughs> completely undid it but with her roadie um, <laughs> yeah uh, that and the, the glow stick scene like there were pieces of that that tickled me and I think that that's usually what you get from a zombie movie is like yeah we've been here a thousand times what are you gonna do that's 
going to pique my interest in the thing I've seen a million times. And it had a couple of those for me. And I think that that's why I might have liked it more than you guys. Just because, like, that's what I wanted from it. There's a lot of small things to praise. I mean, Zach is a very accomplished filmmaker. He mm. he just makes some so some wide Zach, swings. But you go with Mr. Gad, but you call Zach Zach. Yeah, that's, I believe it's <laughs> this is Snyder. No, Snyder? it's Snyder to you guys. Oh, it's like his artist name. Um, <laughs> you know, he goes for some very wide swings, and when he misses, boy, does he miss. And I, I kind of respect that. I absolutely do. Yeah, but that's one of my favorite things about him. At the same time, I just really wanted this to be fun. And I didn't have fun, damn it. Uh, but I had fun talking about it with you guys. I think that about wraps it up. I really hate that we didn't mention the fact that the zombie had a zombie fetus. Uh, oh, yeah. Fucking fetuses and Zack Snyder. Man. I mean, so zombies can have babies in this universe. So we're going to there's robots and zombie babies. So that's why he was so mad. But he still wanted to save her head, I guess, because she was still alive, which was weird. Uh, but. <laughs> One step closer and I'll blow her head off <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, but we do, before we leave, we got a couple of the voicemails to share with you. So we told you you can call a number, leave a voicemail, and we will hear it. We got a couple. We want to share those with you. Steve, lay it on us. All right, here comes our first one. This is Stephen V. I've emailed you guys like a shit ton in the past. But uh, Colin, to give you one of my craziest theater experiences... Um, not so much fun, but it had a big impact. So uh, a few years back, I went to see The Purge, the first one. Not a great movie, but saw it anyway. And, you know, it's kind of creepy, but still shitty. But the audience, so there's this poor homeless man that they let into their house. And he starts getting beat up, and it's awful. The theater, the audience, started applauding anytime somebody got fucked up. And I was just sitting there like, oh, my God. And it just really hit home, you know, how horrible the people are in the movie. And this audience was just digging the whole thing. And I just left the theater just like, oh, my God, that was awful. And it really, really got to me. So, yeah, that was a terrifying movie, uh, not because of the actual movie, but the audience was just chilling. Um, yeah. Aside from that, everything else has been good movie theater wise. I think one of my best experiences was I took a girl to see Little Miss Sunshine when I was, God, I think I had my permit to drive, so I was like 15, and we couldn't get in because it was rated above our age or whatever. And we talked this older couple into getting us tickets and letting us go in there, so that was really cool. So we just went in, kind of watched it. We mostly made out, but yeah, good movie. A lot better than The Purge, so... Uh, thanks guys for, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I uh, love your show and I'll talk to you guys later. My dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> Locking it down in Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> I feel like he fought, made, a, made out during the wrong one though, because Little Miss Sunshine is legitimately an, an amazing movie. I actually have the script. I've read it a couple of times. It is a phenomenal super, film. Super, super good. Uh, Purge. Yeah. It's definitely a date movie. Yep. hundred percent. I love that his, uh, Stephen V, thank you so much for for using the voicemail feature that we now have. We we wanted to hear your voice. We were wondering what it sounded like. We, we talked got, about it for ages, and now we know. Email so many so many times over the years, and now we can actually put a voice. To I can that. read your next scotch. email in your voice, yeah, right? <laughs> but I love that. That's the memory he came up with was the time he went to a movie theater and lost complete faith in humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Steve. A close second was when he got to make out with a girl. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Dude, though, we got one more. Here we go. Hey, Chris, Andy, and Sven. Uh, this is Richard, and I'm a big fan of the show. I've uh, been listening for a couple weeks now, and uh, just saw you all had this hit a phone line, so I thought I'd give it a ring. Anyway, uh, one topic I've been waiting for you all to discuss is, um, well, slugs. You see, I'm a slug enthusiast who very much likes to read about and discuss slugs. Um, mainly on the internet, though, uh, where I can find other slug enthusiasts. Uh, just something about these little gooey guys and their allergies to salt really, really, really does it for me, you know? Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way or not, but, uh, I'm finding it hard to find slugs in pop culture. Uh, in fact, I, I personally feel like slug representation in Hollywood is on the abysmal side. Uh, so I ask you, as film people, what is your favorite movie or TV show that involves slugs? I'm, uh, I'm hoping you all can point me in the right direction uh, of some good stuff. Okay, that's it. I'm going to go. Thanks. See ya. All right. Thank you, Richard. Richard, fair question, Dick. Uh, oh, shit, he's still going. <laughs> wait, what did he say at the end? <laughs> I, I, hold on. Let me, some more Thanks. stuff about slugs. See ya. Hold on. <laughs> you press the end button, man. <laughs> so he's right. There is a representation problem with slugs because uh, I got this e or this voicemail from him, and I was like, "That's a good question. Let me look up some of my favorite." movies and i immediately thought of like what about that cool slug from labyrinth it's a worm and then i'm like oh what about this movie that's a slug or not a slug i'm sorry a snail <laughs> oh, that's okay. a snail there's a lot of snail representation is a snail not a form of slug uh not to, oh. i don't want to piss richard oh. off <laughs> oh. <laughs> they have a the same salt allergy that's like calling someone from china japanese i just right? feel like you have to broaden your definition and then you'll get tons of slug movies for instance uh i feel like there's at least one in starship troopers um the only good bug is a dead bug. <laughs> and then I, I feel like I can say tremors. Yeah. That's sluggish. Yeah, for sure. Job of sure. the Hut was the one that I came to. There you go. Are you guys not going to bring up the seminal 1988 class horror classic slugs? slugs? No. No. Well, that's a thing. I've never seen that. Have you, Andy? They slime, they ooze, they kill. That's, the tagline. <laughs> that's true. What about uh, Slither? There you go. That, those were slugs, right? I don't know. I, they're <laughs> weird alien looking things. I just always think of the cover art for that. It's like the, the bathtub and the lady's leg poking up and then like all the, all the slugs, all the, all the slugs creeping up the side of it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like spook. Who didn't walk through the horror section and look at like the, the sexier oh, yeah. covers when blockbuster <laughs> movie were out days back all, in the day. Still do it all the time. All the time. So yeah, the, the slither, uh, Cover art always stuck out. Was that out. a James Gunn movie? Uh, Species was it for me. Species. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about Animorphs? Is that the, why haven't they made that like into the, like a high budget? Oh, it's the, the nostalgia version of that is coming soon. I'm pretty sure they are. Didn't they put slugs people. in like the alien race that was evil, put you're slugs right. in the people's ears? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That was a thing. There you go, Richard, Dick, my guy. You're just not digging hard enough. There's like 50 of those books. <laughs> hey man, you're set for life. You're set. And if you're looking for other slug enthusiasts, I uh, suggest going to Reddit. I'm sure there's a subreddit for 100%, slug enthusiasts. 100%. Probably even the slug buds. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. That about wraps up our show. So please refer to earlier or the show notes to find that voicemail number. You can email us at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Just fucking Google us. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Thank you very much. Love you. Happy streaming. Happy streaming.